Welcome everybody. All around the world. Welcome to this podcast. Escaping the entanglements of our lives. You got yours. And I've got mine. I'm your host. I'm Dolphus Q. I'm the originator and the creator of this podcast. Now our lives, yours and mine, (coughs) are easily (laughs) entangled in things both real and imaginary. Some of those things can be benign and some malignant bad habits, undesirable behaviors. The list is long. And our entanglements mixed with our environment can spell disaster for many of us born in the bad in a bad time born in a bad place yes our entanglements our environments can hinder us can alter the course of our lives. But do not despair. I maintain escape is everywhere. There's plenty of paths that we can take to free ourselves, to escape our entanglements. This podcast is one of my methods of escaping my entanglements. And you know what I'm doing. First, I was reading and writing a book at the same time. This time, I am proofreading the proof (laughs) of a book I, I wrote long ago. In fact, it was my first book. The name of that, the title of that book is Gainesville Green. And at the time of the writing, I was agreeing to. So my first book is still... I mean, the last book, the, uh, from, the, <laughs> from my first season 
<laughs> we're still working on the publication of um, that book. I was offered a deal about an ebook, but I think I'll pass up on that deal and I will look at others and I will keep you posted. Now you know you can you can follow me at DolphusQ at yahoo.com. I mean you can contact me at that email address. You can follow me on this on this podcast. I guess wherever podcasts are, you can inquire about escaping the entanglements of our lives, and that should hook you up with this. Uh, with this podcast, should hook you up well, with me. Now you can also email me at qdolphus at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you how you are dealing with your entanglements of life. But now, as the walrus said, the time has come. Yes, my friends, all around the world, the time has come for the reading of the word. Chapter 3, Episode 3, Chapter 3, Reborn on the Back Seat of a Greyhound Bus. Jimmy opened his eyes and saw a blur. Somebody was pounding a nightstick against a hollow tube of steel inside of his head and shaking his shoulder at the same time. Hey, buddy, wake up. Do you have a ticket? Jimmy rubbed his eyes. He opened and shut the lids like sand had flew into them. The blur began to focus. A uniformed officer stood before him. Do you have a ticket? Yes, sir, I have have one. May I see it? Jimmy rubbed his eyes again. He reached into his hip pocket for the wallet. He thought the man was a police officer, but he soon realized he was only a security guard. He looked at the ticket and nodded. Jimmy asked him the time. The security officer looked at the watch he wore on his wrist. 25 after 12. 25 after 12. Twelve, cried Jimmy in a state of disbelief. Oh, God, I missed my bus. Check with the ticket agent, said the security officer. Most of the buses have been delayed because of the riot. The ticket agent told Jimmy what he already knew. He had missed his bus. Jimmy asked him when the next bus was leaving for Miami. Son, right now, the schedule doesn't mean a thing. All I can tell you to do is just wait and see and listen to the loudspeaker. We'll make the announcements. Jimmy waited all 
morning for the announcement. And then all afternoon, the wait was long, it was slow, it was boring and miserable, but he dared not leave the station. He felt safer within the walls of the station than he would have felt on the streets of Chicago. Finally, at 7.30 that evening, the announcement that he had been waiting for came over the loudspeaker. He joined a weary line of people standing at gate five waiting to board a southbound coach. He flopped down in a seat next to a window. It was comfortable. The roar of the diesel excited him. and He felt like this was a blast off to the moon. At last, the bus was rolling, and he was leaving Chicago. The long, tedious hours he waited, bored to the bone, no longer mattered. He pulled up on the latch on the arm of his seat and kicked down the footrest under the seat in front of his. He ran back like he was in a lazy boy lounge chair. He turned his face from the window and he turned his face to the window and watched the passing sights of Chicago. He really had never been outside of Chicago. He had ridden the train out to O'Hara and once by mistake to the end of the line out in the suburbs. But those didn't really count. Even in the distance, you could still see the Sears Tower. No, this was the first time he was actually leaving Chicago. The stir of excitement released some of his fears. The circumstances of his departure crept over his consciousness like a shadow. He was running away from Chicago because he was scared of Joe Grimes. Sure, some would say it was because he had stolen the wallet, but they weren't in the room when fear forced him to steal the wallet. They didn't know Joe Grimes like he did. Suddenly he saw Joe Grimes' face contorted in rage. He closed his eyes, but he still saw it. He knew he was safe on the bus, but he was still scared. He wondered what the folks back home was doing. His mother was probably worried. His sister's concern and Joe Grimes madder than an insulted prima donna. The bus climbed the entrance ramps to the Dan Ryan and picked up speed. Jimmy looked at the fleeting landscape. He recognized a few landmarks and the station where the train stopped to pick up riders. He wondered if he'd ever see Chicago again. He knew he never wanted to see Joe Grimes, but his mother and sisters were a different story. Very soon, the fleeting landscape became unfamiliar, and he was seeing things and places he had never seen before. He turned his face from the window and rested his head back on the seat. He wished he had got a newspaper to read to keep his mind occupied with thoughts other than those of what he had done. Perhaps he had been a little too hasty, but clearly he couldn't stay there after taking the wallet. He could have denied the theft. 
and even if Joe Grimes had beaten him bloody like his father, he would have kept his mouth shut. No, he did not. He did what he had to do in order to survive. Run with just the clothes on his back. He'd buy some more clothes when he got to Miami. Miami, he said the word to himself. Hearing the word and actually being on the way to Miami gave him a sense of power. He shifted in his seat. He was in control of his own destiny. He was actually on his way to Miami, yet to a hidden part of him, it seemed like a fantasy, a wild, crazy dream. The bus made its first stop about an hour outside of Chicago. The driver didn't announce the stop. He simply exited the freeway and traveled a series of narrow secondary roads through the heart of a sleepy little town in Indiana. The bus station wasn't much larger than a railroad boxcar. It was the only place in the town that seemed to be open for business. The driver stopped the bus and opened the door. Someone who worked at the station yelled something to someone inside, then climbed aboard the bus. He and the driver carried on a friendly conversation. Jimmy couldn't hear it distinctly, but he could hear the man roar with laughter. Then someone on the outside yelled. The man climbed off the bus. The driver yelled down at him, Tell Maggie I'm still waiting on that cherry pie. He closed the door and shifted the bus in gear. The bus retraced its route to the expressway. Most of the passengers seemed fatigued and drained from the long wait to board the bus. One woman up front carried on a conversation with the driver. Other than that, and a little snoring here and there, things were pretty quiet. But the quietness and the darkness could not quell the excitement that had been aroused within Jimmy. He couldn't shut his eyes. He was as weary as the other travels, but he just couldn't sleep. He remained awake at every stop, staring out the window, taking in all he saw. The driver only announced the significant stops. Indianapolis, Louisville, and Nashville. Nashville, the driver said over the loudspeaker. Nashville, Tennessee. This is an hour layover. Pastures continuing to all points west, Memphis, Little Rock, Shreveport, Dallas, and Fort Worth will reboard this bus in gate 15. Passengers coming on to all points south, Chattanooga, Birmingham, Atlanta, and all points south will change here for a southbound coach. The announcement started an endless amount of noise as the passenger began to shuffle their feet and gather baggage from the overhead compartments. There were plenty of yawns and scratches and calls of hurry up and wake up. When the bus pulled into gate 15, Jimmy was ready to get off, scratch his legs and look around and find something to eat. But he had to wait his turn 
to enter the tiny aisle leading to the door. The driver stood on the ground, helping the ladies and small children down the steps and cautioned everyone to watch their step. He answered questions with a smile and thanked everyone for traveling Greyhound. He smiled at Jimmy. Thank you for traveling Greyhound, young man. Jimmy returned the smile and followed the line going into the station. The station wasn't as large as the one in Chicago, but it wasn't small either. Either, It had a restaurant with a tiny jukebox set up at the table stationed along the wall. Country music played from a hidden speaker. The seating area had a few television viewing chairs. Other than that, there were only benches that looked like church, church pews for people to sit and wait. There was a cold drink machine as one went out that dispensed set. There was a cold drink machine as well as one that dispensed snacks. Jimmy decided to visit the men's room. He would relieve himself and splash cold water on his face. The room appeared to be empty when he first entered, but before he could reach the urinal, he thought he heard something that sounded like a woman in pain coming from one of the stalls. Jimmy stopped and cocked an ear. He was sure he'd heard something. It came again, only louder, and it was from one of the stalls. He didn't know what it meant. Was Someone hurting or dying, he hurried to the stall, cocked his ear to it, and he tapped <laughs> gently on the door. Excuse me, but are you okay? The sound stopped immediately to be replaced by a rustle of feet. Jimmy felt a pang of confusion, like he had pushed the right button but received the wrong results. He turned away and went to the urinal. The door of the stall opened, and a middle-aged white man dressed in a business suit, shirt, and tie left the stall and went to the sink and washed his hands. The man jumped with surprise when Jimmy walked up to the opposite sink. He quickly dried his hands and rushed away. If the door hadn't had a hydraulic rod, it would have slammed with a bang. Jimmy was still trying to make sense of the event when the stall door opened again. Jimmy jumped. He saw a black youth who looked only a few years older than he did. The youth looked caught and quickly snatched the stall door shut. Jimmy finished washing his hands and got out of there fast. He went to the restaurant and took a seat on a stool at the counter. The place wasn't crowded. The few people patronizing it were bent over cups of coffee and smoking cigarettes. The lone waitress was busy filling salt and pepper shakers and placing packs of sugar and sugar substitutes in two tiny metal racks at the center of the tables. A black man with a white apron around his waist pushed a vacuum cleaner over the carpet and under the tables and chairs that he moved back and forth. The waitress 
took her time getting to the counter. Good morning, sweetie. What you having? Is it too late for breakfast? She laughed and told him it wasn't, that they served at all hours. They were open 24 hours. She was the graveyard person and getting the table set up for the morning shift. But she assured him he could have anything on the menu. uh, Jimmy had looked uh, the menu over. What interested him was bacon with waffles and maple syrup. Would you like some coffee? No, ma'am, I don't drink coffee, he said. (laughs) She laughed. Well, you do look a mite young to be a coffee drinker. How about some milk or orange juice? No, ma'am, water will be okay. There was a long grill behind her. She poured him a glass of water, then disappeared through a swinging door. Within a few seconds, a big fat man dressed in white with a dirty apron around his waist and a white hat on his head that resembled a paper bag walked up to the grill. He started a mixer and then poured some batter from the mixer onto a waffle iron. He put two strips of bacon on the grill, then set a press on top of them. He turned away from the grill and walked over to the coffee pot. He drew a cup of coffee and looked over at Jimmy. Are those waffles for you? Yes, sir. Where you headed? Miami. Miami, Florida. The man sounded like he'd been there before or he had a desire to visit. Well, you still got a long ways to go. The waffles were ready. He set them on the plate and waited for the bacon. He called to the waitress. Have a good trip, kid, he said to Jimmy and then disappeared to the swinging doors. The waffles were good, and it wasn't due entirely to the maple syrup, but to the lightness and fluffiness of the waffle itself. Jimmy kept an ear attuned to the loudspeaker as he ate. He finished the waffles and was considering offering another one when he heard the announcement of the southern-bound buses. Now loading, Macon, Tipton, Valdosta, Jacksonville, Lake City, Gainesville, Ocala, and all points south. Now loading, gate number two. Jimmy left a $5 bill on the counter, which was more than covered the price of the waffles, and hurried to the gate. A line of passengers was climbing aboard the bus, presenting their tickets to the driver. He looked fresh and wide awake. He looked at each ticket and punched it with a puncher. Sir, does this bus keep on to Miami? Jimmy asked the driver as he handed him the ticket. The driver looked at it and punched it. No, son, you will change in Gainesville. You want an eastbound coach the one headed to Daytona Beach. Is this your first trip? Yes, sir. Don't worry, kid. There's an hour layover in Gainesville. You won't miss your bus. Jimmy thanked the driver and boarded the bus. He walked to the back of the bus where he finally found two vacant seats. It was a little tight and a little awkward 
and a little uncomfortable at first, but he managed to curl upon the two seats like they were a bed, and when the bus began to roll down the highway, the bed began to float up and down like it was rolling on a river, and soon his eyes were closed, and he was snoring, sounding like a handsaw cutting green lumber. Jimmy woke up. He was tired as if he had been running all night long over miles and miles of rough road. He ached everywhere except the bottom of his feet, and they were so numb he couldn't feel them. He wiggled his toes, confined in his shoes, and felt circulating blood stinging them back to life. He forced himself to uncurl and assume an upright position on his seat, feeling aching muscles all the way. He reached out and gripped the back of the seat in front of him and pulled himself to his feet. He scratched like a caged animal. He looked out the green tenant wonder and saw that a new day was dawning. A motherly woman looked back at him. Son, you sure were sleeping good back there. I don't see how in the world you did it. Yeah, a man stood up and scratched. That boy sounded like he was sawing wood all night long. Jimmy was a little embarrassed. He didn't know he snored or if so he did so loudly. Well, I hope I didn't snow too loud for anybody. Oh, no, said the woman. I never can get comfortable enough to sleep on the bus, and all I do is nod and doze. I have to scratch out to sleep myself. Suddenly, Jimmy realized he may have slept through his stop. Oh, my, I hope I didn't sleep through my stop. The man seated in front of him looked back over the seat. He asked him where was he going. Jimmy told him, no, you haven't missed your stop. I'm going to Miami, too. Jimmy blew a sigh of relief. He remembered what the driver had told him about the layover in Gainesville. Are we close to Gainesville? Before the man could answer, the voice of the driver came over the speaker. His words were clear and distinct, but the speaker made them sound like a clothespin pinched his nose. Gainesville. This is Gainesville, Florida. The coach will lay over for one hour before continuing eastward to Orlando, Daytona, West Palm Beach, Boca Raton, Lope Lauderdale, Miami, and on the Key West. And passengers continuing on to St. Petersburg, Brayton, Sarasota, Tampa, and all points south will make connections here to all passengers and Pardon at this stop. We want to thank you for traveling, Greyhound. Please remain in your seats until the bus comes to a complete stop. And thus we have reached the end of episode number three. <laughs> and I ask you to join us next Thursday when we will continue our proofreading of the proof of Gainesville Green. So please join us and don't forget to tell all your friends 
all around the world about this podcast. So long, everybody. <laughs>